last week in this series that we've been calling Reopening Christianity. Now, we of course know that Christianity never closed, but our church did, at least our church buildings did. A lot of us stayed in our homes, our church buildings just sat empty, we worshiped online, we also were out in the community doing some serving. The question really is, is now this fall we try to get back to some semblance of normal, even though the pandemic's still going on, as we uh, start worshiping outdoors and then eventually next week indoors again, we have a, a moment where we can ask ourselves some really important questions. In the first week of the series, we looked at this idea of, as a church, were we going to be open or closed? In other words, were we going to stick to ourselves or were we going to be a community that was open to all? Last week, we asked the question, as individuals, are we here to be consumers or contributors? In other words, are we here to give from what God has given us to make a difference in the way that God has made a difference in our lives? Or are we kind of here to get our own needs met? And now, this week, we want to ask one more important question. And that's this question. As a church family, and as individuals in that church family, are we on offense or are we on defense? Now, just to make sure we know what we're talking about, let's think for a minute about what we mean about being on offense or defense. The offense is always trying to accomplish something together. So, for example, in a football game, the offense is trying to score a touchdown or trying to kick a field goal. They're working together to try to accomplish something. The defense, on the other hand, is trying to stop the offense from accomplishing something. So a defense is really trying to stop someone or something uh, from getting something done. Same thing in baseball. Think about it. Uh, the offense is when you're up at bat, you're trying to score runs. The defense is when you're on the field trying to stop the other team from scoring runs. You get the idea. Well, the question really is, for us as a church family, has God called us to be on the defensive or on the offensive? Now, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot like we've been on the defensive lately. Not just because of the pandemic, although that has certainly been the case. But even before this pandemic hit, I think Christians feel like they have to defend their faith a lot in the world today. Like we're worried about our rights being taken away from us. We're not able to practice our religion and believe what we believe in freedom in our country anymore. It seems like for a long time we felt like we're on the defensive. But is that what God really wants for his people? And I would argue that scripture teaches us pretty clearly the answer to that is no. I mean, think about it. That great commission that Jesus gave his disciples, it's in Matthew chapter 28, when he sent them out into the world with the good news. He said this, he said, go and make disciples. Now, does that sound like somebody on the defense? It doesn't. It's, it's, a group of people going on the offense, trying to make a difference, trying to help people become disciples, help people to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Or think about this verse. Just a few chapters earlier in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had just asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they came up with a whole a group of different possibilities that people had to say about Jesus. But then he looked at him and he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at Peter and first of all, he said, Peter, you didn't figure that out on your own. My, my father in heaven helped you to understand that. But then he said these words. Uh, this is uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18. He said, I tell you, you are Peter. That name means rock, by the way. You are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And then listen to this. 
He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, when I heard that verse in the past, when I was growing up, I don't know why, but I automatically kind of pictured the church as the one behind the gates, kind of behind the walls, and, and Satan and his armies attacking, and, uh, and the church is on the defense of trying to, to keep the gates shut, trying to protect. But that's not what Jesus said. I, I, I think I was a, a, an adult before I realized that the words are literally saying, Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. In other words, the image is exactly flipped. It's Satan and his minions huddling behind the wall, trying to keep the gates of hell shut. And Jesus says, when we as Christians go out with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're the ones on offense. Now, today we want to look at one particular story from the Old Testament that helps us illustrate how we can be that kind of Christian today. Now, the story is found all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You've probably heard this story before. It's a, it's a famous story. It's one that's talked about in Sunday school classes. It's the story of David and Goliath. But I think maybe I can help you see that story from a little different perspective today. In uh, 1 Samuel 17, 4, we read this. It says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. You see, the Philistines had attacked the Israelites, the, the people of God. And, uh, and they were kind of on the defensive. And right now they've taken a position on either sides of this valley. And the Philistine army's on one side. And, and uh, God's people, their army, the Israelites, are on the other side. And from the Philistine camp comes this champion named Goliath. It says his height was, and uh, my translation says, six cubits and a span. That's a little over nine feet tall. And Goliath comes out and he challenges their champion, the Israelites' champion, to a one-on-one -on -one duel, a one-on-one -on -one battle. You see, in those days, it was not uncommon. Rather than have two armies go at each other and lots and lots of casualties, one side would offer single-handed combat against the other. And whoever won, it was as if they had won the battle. And so Goliath comes out and he offers that kind of challenge to the Israelites. Well, the Israelites were terrified. Uh, listen to what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 10 to 11. It said, Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified, it says. All except one. You see, there was this little boy that was there um, with the Israelite army. Now, he wasn't a part of the army. He was too young. His older brothers were part of the army, and he had actually come from his home to bring some supplies to his brothers. And, and now that this battle's broken out, he's been sent to the back to, to kind of look after the luggage. But when he hears what happens, he comes forward and he actually goes up before the king. And, uh, and he goes before the king and he says, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant. He's talking about himself. He says, I'll go and fight him. No. Saul said, You're crazy. You're just a boy. You can't, you can't fight him. But David convinced Saul to let him go and fight. 
Now there's this almost comical scene where Saul tries to dress him up in uh, some armor and a big sword and a big helmet and it's, it's all too big for him and it's not gonna work and David just takes it off. He says, forget this stuff, I don't need this stuff. And he goes out just in his regular clothing against this guy over nine feet tall in full armor. But David had with him his, his sling and some smooth stones. And listen to what it says. This is 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting at verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it, and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David wins the battle against the nine foot giant, Goliath. Now, if that's not going on the offensive, I don't know what is. So here's my question for you as we wrap up this reopening Christianity series, as we ask ourselves, are we gonna be on the defensive or are we gonna be on the offensive like God wants us to do? What did David have that, that enabled him to do what he did? You see, I, I, I think we need to be on the offensive today. The, the pandemic around us is a real enemy. And uh, um, we don't want to minimize that at all in any way. It's caused over 200,000 deaths now here in the United States alone. It's not done. There's still a lot to be afraid of. There's still a lot to fight against as, as we as a people, as, as Americans, as human beings on this planet, deal with this deadly virus. It's a formidable enemy indeed. But to be honest, it's not our biggest enemy. The Bible says that, that we don't fight against mere flesh and blood, but we fight against the principalities and the powers of darkness, of evil. Satan and his minions, Satan who the Bible says prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We, we have a battle on our hands, not just against flesh and blood, against physical things like the pandemic, but we have a battle against the forces of evil that seek to undo what we are trying to accomplish. And that is help people come to know and experience the love of God and live the full life he called them to live. So we need to be like David. We need to have whatever David had so that we can go on the offensive for Jesus. So I, I've got three things I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. David had perspective. Maybe more perspective than the king of Israel, more perspective than his older brothers or anyone really in the Israel army. And, and where did he get this perspective? Where did he get this ability to look at this situation differently than they did? Well, let's go back to his conversation with Saul when he, he says he's going to go fight Goliath. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. 
I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Did you hear that? The thing that gave David perspective is he was able to look back at other times when he had been in danger in his life, when he had had to go on the offensive for God. And every one of those times, God had been there for him. He said, God who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Let me ask you this. As you look back on your life, where have you seen God at work in those moments of danger in your life? How many times have you gone to the Lord in prayer asking for his help and he showed up? Think of all the ways that God has blessed you in the past and let that give you perspective just like it did David as we face the struggles of today. The second thing David had, not only did he have perspective, but he had confidence. Did you notice when I read about that battle scene, it says, as, as Goliath started to approach, David didn't stand there and wait, or he didn't hide behind a rock, or he didn't slowly start to back up as this nine-foot guy started coming towards him. It says David ran towards the battle. He had confidence. He was confident, not in himself, but in his God. Listen uh, again what David had to say. To Goliath, he said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. David had confidence in what God was going to do. Do we? I love that, that hymn that Martin Luther wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He, he expresses supreme confidence in God in our battle with Satan in that because he says when it comes to Satan, all it takes is one little word to fell him. One word, the name of Jesus. We can have confidence, whether it's a pandemic, a global pandemic that we're fighting, or whether it's the powers of evil and Satan himself. They're nothing compared to our God. Finally, third, David had a gift. Now, stick with me a second here. This is where maybe the story takes on a little different character than when you learned it in Sunday school, if, if you went to Sunday school as a kid. See, we, we tend to think that God did some sort of miracle here. That as David ran towards Goliath, that, that God guided that stone um, and God miraculously helped David beat Goliath. But, but that's not really what happened when you read the story. What happened is David was pretty good with a sling. Now, if David had had to fight Goliath in hand-to-hand -hand combat, then God would have needed to do a miracle. But David knew he didn't have to do that. You see, in biblical times, there were people who were good with projectile weapons. Specifically, it was a sling and smooth stones. In, uh, in the book of Judges, talking about the Israelite forces, it says this. This is Judges 20.16. Among Benjamin's elite troops, Benjamin is one of the 12 tribes of Israel. It says, among Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed, and each of them could sling a rock and hit a target within a hair's breadth without missing. In other words, these uh, slingshot artists, if you will, in, in David's day, in the biblical times, could take their slingshot 
and, and they could take a rock and they could sling that rock in such a way they had practiced it so many times that literally we're told they were so accurate they could hit a target the, the width of the hair. David was a slingshot user. Picture him out in the fields um, watching over dad's sheep with nothing else to do all day but take his sling and take a rock and practice, target practice. David knew that God had given him a gift, that, that God had made him good at that, and he had practiced and, and developed that gift. So when that moment came, he was confident, not only in his God, but in the abilities his God had given him. I love this verse from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2.10, and now verses 8 and 9 have just reminded us that it's by grace we're saved through faith, that that's a gift from God so that no one can boast. It, it all depends on God. Our salvation isn't because we're good. It's because of, we have a good God. But then it says this in verse 10. It says, but we are God's masterpiece. The, the word there literally, you've probably heard me say this before, is the word where we in English get the word poem from you are God's masterpiece. You are a, a finely crafted poem that God has written, and he has given you gifts and abilities. We talked about this a little last week, at least I, I did when I preached at our Green Trails campus. Did you notice in, in that story about Tabitha that when Peter came, when she had died, um, the women all kept coming up to Peter, and they kept showing him the dresses that she had made for them, the beautiful dresses. God gave Tabitha a gift, and she used that gift to serve others. God has given you a gift, and it's not only a gift to serve others, but it's a gift in this war, this battle we have against the forces of evil in the world around us. David knew what his gift was, and he knew in that situation he could handle Goliath, and he did. What's your gift? How has God shaped you? What, what masterpiece are you for the Lord so that you can have confidence as you face the struggles of life, knowing that not only is God going to be faithful, but he's given you gifts, and those gifts will not let you down either. You know, there's a commercial that was on television a number of years ago. It was, a, it was an ad for the Marine Corps. And uh, I don't know if you remember this. The commercial was literally called toward the sounds of chaos. And at the beginning of this commercial, there's, uh, all you see is there's this big, huge dust cloud. And you can't tell whether it's a storm or whether it's a battle or whether it's an alien attack or you don't know what it is. You just know that there's something really bad happening there. And the reason you know there's something bad happening there is from out of this cloud, people are just running in terror and in fear, except the Marines. They're running the other way. They're running toward the sounds of chaos, as the commercial's called. And, uh, and then at the very end of the ad, the screen goes blank, and it's black, and there's just one question across the screen. It says, which way would you run? Away or towards danger? Folks, God has called us not to... to cower in our homes in fear, not to sit behind the church walls and, and pray that nothing gets us. God has called us not to be on the defensive, but to be on the offensive for him. And, 
And just like the gates of hell will not prevail against us, Jesus promises, coronavirus will not prevail against us, um, the, the winds of political change in our country will not prevail against us, nothing can stop God's church. He calls us to be on the offensive for him. And our, our tools of war are love and grace and hope and courage and strength. May God give you that strength for whatever challenge you face this week. Amen.